0: Welcome to the Dungeon Master's Guide, a podcast for new and veteran enthusiasts of Dungeons & Dragons, where you can get all the information you need to run your own game. My name is Nathan Lewis, and I will be your host. In this episode, we will speak on treasure, player rewards, and custom loot. Rewarding your players is an important part of making sure they feel their actions have weight within the world. Let's get started. Everything can have a story. From the small nicks in the ground near a vendor's stall, to the uniforms of a palace guard, and yes, even treasure, there is a story to be told behind every element of your world. It can be overwhelming to initially understand this as a dungeon master, because it means you may have to detail all of this story yourself. But thankfully, treasure usually has built-in story you can exploit. For example, a glittering ruby pendant can convey an estranged lover's affection, or a gilded shield can carry the weight of a generation. A majority of this story exposition starts with how the item physically looks and transitions into a wholly unique experience when introduced into your adventure. Treasure can be thought of as just as a reward for a quest well done, and often it is but I love loot with significance within the world, which makes its presence all the more integral and important. I'll speak on this in a moment, but let's first dive into how to pick the appropriate treasure for your players. When it comes to rewarding your party, there are hundreds of options to choose from. Giving your players new and protective armor can lead to bolder choices in combat, whereas a new weapon can lead to a heavier reliance on actions instead of spells. Treasure is a more indirect way a dungeon master can influence the decisions of a player group by associating a particular advantage with positive encouragement. What I mean by this is that receiving a reward is a positive reinforcement for actions previously taken, this chance to accentuate a player's understanding of if an action was the correct choice or not cannot be understated. Going further, having your approval felt by handing out a positive reward to your players for beating a boss or investigating an area can affect how your players approach challenges in the future. If the party is receiving interesting loot through role-playing their way around an encounter, they may be more inclined to do so in the future, on the other hand, receiving no treasure to speak of, and extending their time on a particular patch can ward them away from doing so in the future. Speaking of behaviors, treasure does not always have to mean the party receiving a magical item or powerful weapon. Usually, a DM should be giving out rewards in the form of information, increased government access, or additional social standing. These types of loot are powerfully felt, sometimes even more so than a cool shield. Letting your players know through these positive and roleplay reinforcements that their actions were correct can steer their character and group development. Further, handing your players an unexpected social advantage as a piece of non-physical treasure is very exciting as a receiving party. Within real life, having a preeminent social standing is almost more important than having your weight in gold, so reflect this idea within your games. Let's pull out a bit of documentation to help us with treasure. The Dungeon Master's Guidebook. This book was written by the creators of Dungeons & Dragons, Wizards of the Coast, and hosts a tremendous amount of information for a DM. We'll be focusing on the information starting on page 133. There are a few different types of physical treasures which can be given to your players. They are coins, gemstones, art objects, and magic items. Each has their own value to give, sometimes even literally, and should be given out at different moments. Let's speak on each. In Dungeons & Dragons, there are a few levels of value which coins are slotted into, which ascend by values of 10. There is copper, silver, gold, and platinum. 10 copper equates to 1 silver, 10 silver becomes 1 gold, and 10 gold could also be 1 platinum. Well, in the real world, there is a variance of currencies which need to be exchanged while traveling. These coin values are based on values of the metals themselves, so they should be viewed as a universal currency. This is not to say that there could not be a place within your world that does not accept this type of currency. Maybe they solely rely on bartering instead. Coins are a pretty basic reward to give, but it can be great when improvising rewards. I like to think of coins as if I'm giving a party a reward for the future. Coins can be used to buy potions or weapons or armor, but are pretty useless until they can be exchanged for these items. It's not an immediate gratification for my players, and gives me time to plan for a great merchant. Gemstones are interesting items by themselves, regardless of the reward connotation. As the Dungeon Master's Guidebook asserts, gemstones are small, lightweight, and easily secured compared to their same value in coins. Rather than giving your party a large chunk of change, giving them a gemstone can be something to barter for, deceive with, or meld into something greater. Gemstones can even give the party an opportunity to infuse them with arcane power, giving an even better reward in the end. As a famous drag queen once said, did someone say art? With jokes aside, objects with artistic value can be a great quest goal. For example, if an aged painting has been stolen from a powerful miser, the party retrieving and returning it would be a way to gain rapport with said NPC. Or if your players are more chaotically inclined, they could sell it themselves and gain a bag of coin for it. If they do this, the original owner could track them down and enact revenge if he finds out their deeds. Art objects have the opportunity to take advantage of their ingrained storylines in order to flesh out the world. Or if they want it to be, your players could fashion them to be fantastic layer decorations. The last of the major treasure categories are the magical items which are littered about your world. Even though the book lists them last, magic items are by far the most impactful and valuable loot a dungeon master can give out. They have the chance for immediate uses and can change the course of a story or battle as soon as they are received. In this category, there are several types of magic items, which are each very important. Let's dive into each. Before we even get into the types of magic items, let's speak on item rarities. While you as the dungeon master can ultimately decide how rare any item is, each official magic item has its own determined rarity. Use this as a gauge of when and where to present said item to your party, as well as in what quantity. Most magic items will and should only come in the quantity of one, but once again it's really up to you. The rarer an item is, the higher level or harder a fight your players should have to go through in order to receive it. On page 137 in the Dungeon Master's Guidebook, there is a very convenient table which details when the item should be given out as well as its value determined by its rarity. For example, a magic item of rarity very rare should be given out to characters of level 11 or higher and has a value in a range of 5,001 to 50,000. One more wrinkle to be aware of, most magic items are rare enough to not be available for purchase. The exception to this is magic items with a rarity of common, such as a potion of healing, which could be procured from an alchemist or herbalist in a relatively large city. There are a few types of magic items which could inhabit your world. They are armor, potions, rings, rods, scrolls, weapons, and wonderful items. Each has its own value, some more straightforward than others, and some even have a few drawbacks. Let's get started on armor and speak on a few examples to detail this. Armor is a bit more straightforward than most of the other magic items we will be discussing. That does not mean, however, that armor is not just as interesting as the rest. For example, a rare set called Anything Armor can transmute on command to cloth or plate or scale mail armor. Another example would be an uncommon set called Armor of Haste, which gives a boost to the dash action a player can take. Armor can be boring on the surface, but diving into the many different types of protection a player can receive makes it an interesting place of loot to give. The Dungeon Master's Guidebook describes potions by saying, Different kinds of magical liquids are grouped in the category of potions brews made from enchanted herbs, water from magical fountains or sacred springs, and oils that are applied to a creature or an object. While the most famous of these is the Potion of Healing, potions can inflict damage, make one immune to poison, cast a creature into invisibility, or stop scrying from occurring. Potions can be very beneficial and very dangerous. One of my favorite things is to give a potion to the party as a reward and only describe what it looks like inside of its container. It could be swirling around with sparkling flakes reflecting the light or solidly oozing in an aggressive manner at its beholder. Also, potions are consumable and usually do not refresh themselves after being used, which casts their abilities as one-shot success or failure stories. Additionally, potions need to be brewed by someone, whether that be a player character or an NPC. Seeking out an apothecary or alchemist to refill your party's store of potions can lead to very interesting NPC interactions. Drawing from the book once more, the description of rings is magic rings offer an amazing array of powers to those lucky enough to find them. While a finger band can be a small detail to overlook, such a small item can pack a very large punch for your party. Such a powerful ring is the Abascus Ring of Storage, which is a legendary item. It can store spell slots or a monk's key within its visage, up to a total of seven levels. For an arcane-centered character, such an item is a powerful find and can turn the tide within a battle with said extra spells. Additionally, since rings are so small, they can be easily secured on a character's person from the wandering rogue or greedy official, Some of your players may not value a ring as a piece of treasure, but introducing them to more powerful variations can reverse that stereotype. Rods are within a space similar to rings. They can be looked over because of the brilliance of other magical item options, However, rods are an essential part of the equipment a party can have for their adventure, and so giving them a magical rod can be game-changing, especially the monk if one of your friends is playing one. One of the most famous rods is the immovable rod, which, once activated, does not and cannot move from its current position. This means if a party member is falling from a great height and activates the rod in their hands, their character will immediately stop moving as long as they can hold onto the rod. There are several other examples of powerful rods, such as the enemy detection rod, which will point in the direction of any creature hostile to the bearer of the device. This rod is important for perceiving hostile creatures because said creature could be invisible, hidden, or disguised, and it would still be pointed out. There are several types of items which exist within the magic item pantheon, but scrolls are some of the most common. Of these, the usual candidate for found treasure would be spell scrolls. These house a single spell which can be cast by whomever holds the scroll, regardless of class, without expending a spell slot. As you can already tell, this is incredibly powerful. A monk casting fireballs can be very devastating and hilarious to behold. A scroll, much like a potion, is a consumable item, however. This means that once the spell it holds or whatever action it holds is used, it disintegrates into ash. This being said, a wizard can scribe the spell into their spellbook with the appropriate materials, such as high quality paper and ink. There are several examples of scrolls, but probably my favorite is a scroll which can capture a spell of level two or lower if it is being directed towards its holder, Said spell can be cast back towards its original caster, leading to an interesting moment. If your world is a little lacking in the arcane quarter, try to avoid using scrolls as a reward to your party to preserve world continuity. The most popular type of magic item as a reward or treasure would be the many weapons with interesting qualities, bonuses, and even personalities. Magic weapons are also seen as the most valuable of all treasures which can be given to your party, and so keep this in mind when distributing them as loot. Even within this subcategory, there are a plethora of options to choose from. There could be an arcanist staff, or a flaming sword, or a javelin of lightning. Magic weapons are striking from the moment they are discovered, and should be revered as such. Giving your party a magical and powerful weapon can make the battle with your big bad easier for your players, and so attaching this type of treasure directly with a very difficult battle is a good idea. An alternate approach is to scale up your battles so that they are less easy to win, but this can feel unfair to your party if they find out this occurred. Wondrous items, as the book puts it, include worn items such as boots, belts, capes, gloves, and various pieces of jewelry and decoration. This last category is essentially a catch-all for any items which are not specific enough to be a weapon or armor or potion. While some boots and belts could be classified as armor, it's better to view them as mainly a type of wondrous item, for sake of continuity with the books. Wondrous items can also be exceedingly powerful, just like weapons, and should be viewed as such. Giving a player boots of spider climbing, which allow them to rub run up walls with ease, can make an enclosed cavern environment exceedingly unfair to any hostile creature captured inside. Wondrous items are also a great space to place any custom item you come up with, which is called a homebrew item. If you need a piece of loot to do specific something for story or reward purposes, make it wondrous and place it within this category. A lot of this discussion has been warning you about giving your players too powerful of treasure, but it's also important to let your party be and feel like heroes in the story. While strife should be hard and overcoming it be an emotional journey, give your party moments where they feel like badass characters, which cannot be defeated. This can be fun and fun is always good. Treasure, and especially magic items, can lead to those types of moments, and should be given to your players if it would help them have a fun time. And that is this week's discussion on treasure and loot. Next week, I'm going to be speaking on being the master of rules and what that responsibility means. Thank you for listening. Please send any questions to me at the Tilted Crown 6 on Twitter or an audio question on the Anchor app. See you next week.